Welcome to Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 7, Light and Shadows. Uh, so this episode, the teleplay was written by Ted Sullivan, and the story was done by Ted Sullivan and Vaughn Wilmot. Wilmo? Will Mott? I'm not sure how he says his last name. Uh, this was directed by Marta Cunningham, and usually I look up what other episodes these people have worked on, and I completely forgot to this week. So let me just take a look quickly. Uh, so this is the only episode that Marta Cunningham has directed, but Vaughn, I know, has done... He also did New Eden. Okay. As a as a writer and then so ted sullivan is credited with brother what's past is prologue and lethe interesting yes so yeah this episode ran a little bit shorter than the last few episodes it was just under 50 minutes long hmm. didn't feel short no but I guess we're only talking about a difference of a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is a lot when you're filming it, but doesn't necessarily feel like much when you're watching it. That is true. So, Kate, did you enjoy this episode? Yes. That sounded tentative. No, I, I did. Okay. I thought bits didn't really make sense. Okay. But... I enjoyed it. All right. Mostly, apparently I'm just going to get into this now, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but they never really explained how Amanda found Spock, right? That is correct. That bothers me a lot because all of the Federation was out looking for him <laughs> with all of their resources. She did say at one point that, you know, her son asked her for help. So it could be that he found her. Okay. Okay. I can I can live with that then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hoping that they do address that. Because I, I would like to know more about What's you know, how she found on? Yeah, how she found him in as much as like what his mental state was when she originally found him. Because she also says like he's been like this for the past couple days. Mm-hmm. So it's like, did you just come there a couple, like, did you find him a couple days ago? Or has, have you been harboring him for longer and then something happened and he started to deteriorate? Right. I would also be curious about this. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know, the whole thing with Spock's mental state just felt like unnecessary contrivance to have them find Spock but still not have him and Burnham talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and which, like, which you could very easily do with just like personality. Like have them not talk because of personality conflicts. Yeah, exactly. So it just felt stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I do like that in this storyline, they're fleshing out more uh, Vulcan culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it's being stated very directly that 
there are people who are very xenophobic and don't want a human there or a half human, you know, like that there's that sort of atmosphere to it because it helps give more context for how Spock and Burnham must have grown up. Right. Which I think is hilarious for this race that's supposed to be all logical and blah, 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 blah. But, oh, wait, we don't want other people here. Well, they're lesser beings, right? No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with the writing. I'm saying Vulcans are snobs. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And that's very much the... um, We've seen this... Well, I guess Spock sort of did embody a bit of a snobbery in the original series. Right. Um, But Next Generation seemed very, very, um, like, seemed to drop that. Like, Spock and Sarek were, you know, venerated and highly respected, and they didn't seem to have that kind of attitude. I mean, Spock... Many years had passed. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's possible Spock learned a lesson or two in his old age. That's true. And they could be presenting them as, like... um, leaders progressives like and and i think this is making it more clear that they are progressive elements in vulcan society right so i mean that's cool and i i haven't looked on the internet to see if there's much reaction to spock being given a human disability like a learning disability Right. I haven't really either. Everybody in my Twitter feed just likes how hot he is. Right. (laughs) That's the discourse. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not wrong. He's good looking. I don't know how reluctant you were with that. (laughs) They're not wrong. (laughs) It's not the selling point for me. Right. It's it's not particularly for me either, mostly because I have no idea who this dude is and he just looks like generic neckbeard 2.0 at the moment, but <laughs> right. with pointy ears, obviously. Of course. So I, I meant the actor when I said I have no idea who this dude is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I know his name. I just mean I haven't seen him. I don't. You, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we're not familiar with his broader work as an actor. So I Exactly. He looks like he's trying to be Henry Cavill, but not quite pulling it off. Okay. <laughs> you disagree? No, no, I'm, I'm, I hadn't had that thought. <laughs> I've hadn't until just now either. Okay. So, all right. Um, okay. So, shall we get more into like the the events with the angel and what's happening on Dis- Discovery, or do you want to keep discussing the Spock? No, we can, we can go back to the beginning of the episode. Sorry, I derailed it. Okay, that's okay. Um, so how did you like the like time warp and things like that? I actually thought that was fun and an uh-huh. interesting way to get Tyler and the captain to kind of, you know, work together mm. and come to an understanding eventually. But yeah, um, I also enjoy how Pike got that that vision of the future Mm -hmm. that then like affected some of his decisions. But then once he got there, it was completely different than what he thought. You know, I like that type of thing in time travel. That's cool. They did a good job with that. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked that too. I liked like, I really like snarky Ash. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. where he's not trying to like fit into this cookie cutter, like good Starfleet officer mold, but he's instead, um, you know, talking back, uh, giving a little pushback to that mold and questioning things. So I, I enjoyed that. And he and Pike had a lot of really good banter. And so that was fun. I also, I did find there's a line at the beginning where I think it's Burnham during her like opening log monologue, mm-hmm. <laughs> log monologue, um, where she says something like, Saru has confirmed that it's from the future. I'm like, I don't, that, that, that seems like kind of a leap to make. That did seem like a leap to me as well. And she, I know what your part you're talking about. She's like, Saru's now confirmed that it's like a humanoid with future technology. And it's like, like, like the universe is he? pretty big. All right, yeah, like just because this technology beyond yours, is it future technology? Um, it's definitely technology they've never seen. So, so I mean, I get that the later events of the episode do kind of confirm that it's probably time travel in some way. Mm-hmm. And as I've said before, I, I have nothing against the time travel, but it does just seem like a strange, like official. I am the science officer. This is definitely from the future. Right, yeah. We're not going to investigate that anymore. We have all the proof we need. Somebody's eyeballs. Mm-hmm. That's just not not science. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was sort of, I guess, the leap that they needed the audience to make. Yeah, I enjoyed the the time parts, actually, as well. Obviously, the bit with Stamets showing up seemed a little bit, well, we need to get them out of this, but honestly, yeah, it's been better than the, well, we need to get them out of this than that they've had recently. Yeah, and the, well, we need to get them out of this, and, well, Stamets has to be useful for something. Like, we can't use the spore drive, but, hey, his mycelial connection tardigrade DNA thing makes time travel storylines, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, something we can play with, and so, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was my own sort of mental speculation that this is maybe going to hook on to things from uh, Enterprise with, like, the temporal war and things like that, and I I hope they don't they don't go that way. Fans did not like the, the temporal Cold War when it was in Enterprise, and... I, I don't think they will like it very much if this hooks in with it now. I have no idea what that is. It was a bad, bad storyline from Star Trek Enterprise. Enough said. Yeah. Was there a good storyline in Star Trek Enterprise? You know what? Uh, I don't want to yeah. know. Wait, yeah. Um, so that was the only part I really didn't like about the time elements that they were bringing into this. The Wait, which bit? Oh, the, the my own, like... Oh, your own speculation. Okay, My own speculation. <laughs> so nothing to do with the episode at all. No, just, you know, you could go there right now. There's nothing saying that it's definitely something completely different. So I'm, I'm borrowing potential disappointment from one of the versions of Future Gen if this timeline in my head carries through. Oh, and then, okay, so then she goes to Vulcan, and that was all fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. Other than, like I said before, how did Amanda find Spock? Mm-hmm. 
When we finally see Spock, I, of course, immediately noticed that one of the numbers he was saying was 47. Thanks for that. <laughs> I, yeah, I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, they, they snuck it in again. Going to be noticing it everywhere now and probably joining the society. Um, yeah, definitely noticed that that number 47 crept in there. Um, I noticed that Amanda was dressed in a much more austere fashion, much more typically Vulcan than we'd seen her in, uh, earlier this season. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. I liked her, you know, banter with Sarek. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. Well, it was more of an argument. Yeah, I guess so. Banter is like coming from a place of fun. She oh, was... Okay, so then Ash and Pike weren't bantering either. They were arguing as well. Yeah. Although you could say that theirs wasn't as emotionally, like, wasn't going to affect their lives as much. True. You know what? You know, I'm being a little bit like, yay, we got Spock. I, I, I should have star started with that because I was really pissed about that last week. That's true. So I am glad that we just we got Spock. There's no more searching for Spock. We will never have to find him again, obviously, right? He never goes missing again in canon. <laughs> so that's fine. Of course. And we're done with that plot line forever. Yeah, totally. Um, there are... Yes, I was, I was happy when we saw Spock. The other things that I really loved about this episode is that it felt like it was also, in a way, like upping the ante and really moving us forward to seeing some things that we haven't seen before mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. weren't teased about that seem like there could be really exciting, good storylines to unfold. Yes, I am excited that we not, I mean, I guess we don't know anything more, but that the plot plot seems to be going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, like it feels like we're we're building up to something now really uh concretely. Now, did you catch at the end where they are headed to? No. No, I have oh. no idea. Okay. So, uh of course, they Michael gets Spock and then turns Spock in and then frees Spock and then manages to decode his code because she realizes that he's not having the numbers forwards because he has this learning disorder which maybe was invented for the show just specifically to have this episode. I don't know. And when she puts the numbers forwards, it's the coordinates to Talos 4. And Talos 4 is the location where the episode The Cage takes place. Oh. Okay. And I did my research this time, and the events from The Cage take place prior to this okay so it's a good thing i've watched it and remember everything that happened in it and and, and know what uh yep <laughs> yeah i am prepared but let's say i so, wasn't kate and jen discussed this we did watch the cage and it was in episode 23 if any of our listeners weren't listening then or decided to skip that episode um you can catch our initial reactions from a command of her own episode 23. Um, all right, all right, right. And but let's see if those I... of you want the Cliff Notes version. Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah. So in the cage, they go down 
uh, to this planet, and the Talosians are those aliens with those ginormous craniums that are, like, all bald, and they wear gray robes, and they do mind control. Right, right, right. And they project... um, They psychically project things into your brain so that you believe they're happening. Right, okay. And Pike gets imprisoned, and there's a woman there who's imprisoned as well, who's that very beautiful woman in all of the, you know, fantasies. Of course, yes. And... It ends with, I think she decides to stay there because in real life, she's horribly disfigured. Right, And at least yes, on yes, the planet, yes. you know, she can live out life seeming as though she is, you know, perfect and beautiful. Right, yes, I do recall that conversation because, of course, that's what's important in life. Of course. And so I believe it's the that planet is eventually set up as, like, a no-fly zone because, of course, they don't want people um, going in and being imprisoned by the Talosians and being held captive there. Right. So Spock has been here before with Pike. Correct. (sighs) This bothers me, actually. I like it less now. I thought it was just going to be a new thing. Because why? What are we here for? What's going on? Now I just have more questions. When I just thought it was going to be continuing on with the story, I was fine with it. But now, I'm not fine with it. So many more questions. Did Spock hide something while they were there? Did he do something? Did he catch some sort of thing? Do the Red Angels need to go there and do something? Like, yeah. Is, it, is he is, just saying the numbers of, like, the last thing he remembers? Are the Telosians behind the Red Angel somehow? Ooh. Has all of this been... Something that's playing out in their heads while they're actually trapped on Talos 4. Is somebody else trapped on Talos 4? And Spock is trying to get to them and his brain is broken because of the Talosians. Like, I mean, many, many, many possibilities. I like this a lot less now. Sorry. It's fine. Sorry. Maybe just because, like, I feel like we didn't get any answers now, just more questions. Stupid questions. (laughs) You also mentioned here Menagerie? What's that? Oh, okay. So Menagerie is the original series episode that goes back to Talos 4 while Kirk is the captain. Okay. And Pike is also in that episode anyway. But Do they, like, deal with the aliens there? No, it was a bottle episode, so... Because the cage never aired originally, mm-hmm. the studio decided for many reasons to reuse the footage and like write it into an episode of the show so they could only fill they could fill filler scenes and then just splice in footage of the cage's flashbacks and create a very inexpensive episode. Right. But it was actually a, a really good episode. It dealt with Spock's character. And his relationship with Pike. And not sure... Like, it deals with disabilities as well, again. And, you know, not sure it does it very well. Right. For the same issues that were there in the original episode. Like, anyway. Yeah. So, I I was just doing the timeline that the cage happens first. Then this Star Trek Discovery stuff is going to happen. And then later, obviously, they're going to go back to there in the menagerie. 
So, and because of the timing of when we record this podcast, I have seen a few promo images of the Telosians. Oh, so we are we are going to see them. <sighs> uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm just opening the see, unofficial I, fan group again. I don't know why, but this, I don't feel good about this. I don't like it. Although, once again, it does seem like something we maybe should have guessed, considering they had Pike on this season. You know, that, that seems like revisiting stupid Jen and Kate. Eh, stupid <laughs> seems mean. Not smart, Jen and Kate. We, we were being optimistic that maybe there was going to be original storylines. Come on. All right, all right. Optimistic, Jen and Kate. I like that better. Yeah. Yeah, so the next episode is called If Memory Serves. And if this image is correct, definitely, definitely we'll see the Telosians. They definitely look better than the original series Telosians. Shock. Which is not hard to do since it's been so many years. So, and yeah, I actually tweeted that like I would have been like talking to my TV loudly and shouting. Right, yes. Had I not had like an entire house full of sleeping people. Um... And so when at the end Burnham is like, uh, you know, laying in coordinates for Talos 4, that was one of my moments where I was going to be like, ah, oh my God, they're going to Talos 4. So. Well, I will say, so backing up from this whole Talos, Talosians, whatever discussion, mm-hmm. um, when Burnham first arrived back at home, mm-hmm. at first when she's speaking with Amanda, Amanda was very pleasant to her. And I mm-hmm. was like, the last time we saw Amanda, she was pissed at Burnham. Why have they just backtracked on that but then very quickly amanda was angry again and i was like oh, okay good 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 yeah did you agree with how reluctant amanda was to tell anyone about spock or let spock leave or you know she was just gonna be like we're gonna keep him in this cave i can kind of understand it i don't know that agreeing with it is necessarily where i'm at like i'm trying to think of what i would do if, like, this were my son. And the government was after them because they had international secrets and may have murdered some doctors. <laughs> yeah. But weighing that against the the flip side of, you know, he has had encounters with an alien that's magnitudes ahead of where we are and potentially is, you know, experiencing mental distress that needs professional help. Yeah, what would you do if your kids were in that exact situation? <laughs> well, it's tough because, like, most average parents, your children probably aren't being c- pursued by, you know, super secret government organizations. Yes, true. It's it's usually lower stakes. So would I harbor my children as fugitives? Possibly. Amanda seems very certain that he didn't murder those people. Right. Though, again, if you're so certain, then, and there's fair trials and things, then... Does Amanda know that Section 31 is after him? Well, Sarek mentions it while they're there. Okay, I didn't, like, I didn't remember. Um, then, I guess, if I knew Section 31 was after a kid or whatever, a person that I cared hmm. about, mm-hmm. then I could understand because I wouldn't trust them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. If it was regular Starfleet, yeah, then potentially I I would be like, yeah, we have to face this, and you know, I'll stand with you and do everything I can to 
investigate and prove your innocence. But Section 31, I don't know that I would just, you know, yeah, hand them over. Because, I mean, they're, they're in the shadows. And even if you thought they were going to treat them okay, you might never see them again. Yeah, yeah. And the thought did occur to me that what if Spock was in the Institute, Section 31 suspected that he would know something, and they went with their memory extraction device to the hospital, posing as doctors, and Spock, you know, was like, this isn't legit, and it was like self-defense, and that's when he fled. Right, gotcha. Like, I'm not precluding that as a possibility that... It was actually Section 31 people who were trying to get him originally. And, and he so. murdered them horribly. I, I don't know why I said it so dramatically. I mean, I guess murder is pretty dramatic. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, um, what else happened this episode? I mean, I guess eventually everybody convinces Amanda to calm the fuck down. It's cool. Spock's going to be okay. But everybody was mm-hmm. wrong. Amanda was right. <laughs> Should have kept him in the cave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Sarek was incredibly naive when he was like, you know, the only other people who want him healed is Section 31. And it's like, no, 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 they don't, they don't want him healed. They want to use him to further their investigation. Those two things, like, if, if he gets help, then yes, he will be able to further the investigation. But he could further the investigation without actually improving his mental condition. I was like, Sarek, you're... You know, your logic is not holding here. Also, I was a little bit confused. It seemed like, from the way Amanda said it, that Spock had sort of self-imposed this current condition on himself. And that before she put him in the cave, he was actually... Or, like, when she first found him, he was actually okay. Yeah, like I said, it's tough to know whether she found him a couple of days ago, and she's saying, like, he's been like this for that time or if she found him and then time passed and then he became like this Hmm. so i don't know i want more answers i know i figure last week i complained a lot about how much i wanted spock and we got spock so if i complain a lot about how much i want answers the universe uh, will deliver there you go although probably in some sort of cursed way we'll get the answers i don't want Hmm. the answers will involve the uh Laws of physics, the conservation of energy principle. <laughs> um, okay, so on section 31, mm-hmm. Burnham also... Okay, I will admit, for one mm-hmm. moment, I was also like, oh, maybe Leland is actually a good dude, and this whole weird way that they've been writing him as a jerk is just, you know, like a... Uh, yeah, misdirect. Yeah, misdirect. But yeah. I was also taken in, apparently. Another moment of Caitlin is not smart. See, the entire time that, like, we see Spock and Burnham on the, like, in the section 31, the entire time I was going, no, 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 don't listen to him. He's lying. That whole time I was just like, I was like, wrong, wrong, take him out. That's not a memory, like, there's no memory extractor that's, like, nice and gentle. Like, no, 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 no. And I am a little confused about why, like, Sarek didn't try, you know, doing any sort of um, Vulcan memory work or uh, mind meld sort of thing. I can see where possibly mind melding with somebody whose mental state isn't the greatest is probably not smart. 
Sure, there's danger involved, but, you know, Sarek risked himself to save uh, Michael. That's true. I, so. I just mean, like, I I don't know. It feels like you'd get stuck in the spiral well, or whatever. Right. Potentially, yes. And logically, there's no point in risking yourself if you can't get back out with the answers. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah. Anyway. I, I still really question Sarek's logic in handing him over to Section 31. Yeah, and not going with him. Why wouldn't he have gone with him? He's his father. Well, I mean, he has, like, official duties and, you know. I'm sure that they would let you take some time off to be with your sick kid. Well, also, as an ambassador, being seen with a secret hush-hush Starfleet organization... Because remember, he's not in Starfleet. He's an ambassador of the Federation of Planets. So it would be like someone from the UN being caught going to secret meetings with the CIA. All right. Confession. <laughs> I always forget that the that Starfleet and the Federation are two different things. So okay. that's on me. Okay. So I could see where professionally he would sort of be caught in a hard place about, you know, maybe he wants to go, but knows that he really politically can't go i suppose that's fair maybe this is why he has all these human and half human children he wants he wants his hands in all the pots <laughs> all i can say is that like uh don't take parenting advice from any of the vulcan role models we've seen maybe tuvok on on voyager would be okay but Sarek has a really bad track record i mean for the most part don't take parenting advice from on-screen parents. <laughs> For the most part. For the most part, yes. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else do we have to talk about for this episode? Well, Michelle Yeo was great. Michelle Yeo was great. Um, we know now that, of course, Leland is connected with Michael's backstory. I've, I am intrigued. I hope mm -hmm. if they explore that further, I hope it's done well, because I think it could easily be fucked up. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think it's funny how they, now that the Klingon war isn't important, they're just like, eh, Klingons didn't kill our parents. We don't need that anymore. We don't need that added level of drama. Right, right. Um, yeah, I also think it's like convenient how small the universe is, where it's like, you know, of course Section 31 is behind her parents' death. And of course, it's this guy who's assigned to this specific thing. But I'm, on the other hand, I'm also like, oh, okay, yay. This probably means that we are going to continue to see more of Leland as, as time and everything progresses. So You, you, you like Leland? Have, have, I, have you missed that? I think I've mentioned it once or twice before. Even now that you know he's an evil shitter? Oh, uh, well, I mean, there's a difference between liking... The actual person he's portraying. Oh yeah, on the yeah, screen. no, no, no. I know, I know. So, I just. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I yeah. wanted to make sure that's where you were coming from. I suppose from he is a good villain. He's yes, okay. yes. He is a good villain. I, I, I don't want him to reform. I don't need him to end up a good guy. I'm enjoying his performance, and I'm enjoying yeah his, the character he's portraying. I did really like um, how they gave Giorgio good motivation to help to help Michael. How they didn't just be like, well, somebody's got to help Michael out of this. Yes. Yeah. No, that was good. 
and the, and they followed um, through with it at the end where she was like yeah i'm pretty much in charge now bitch mm-hmm. i wonder too if maybe well this may be giving too much credit to sarek but maybe sarek sent michael <laughs> Yeah, Sarek sent Michael to Leland because Sarek also knows that there is some involvement there with her parents' death, and he's hoping that she goes and, like, uncovers the truth and helps to take Section 31 down a notch or something. Well, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think georgia has got that covered. Or I guess she just wants to take Leland down, not Section 31. Right. She wants to be Empress of Section 31. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's face it. <laughs> She needs to be leader of something. That's right. She needs minions doing her bidding. Okay, so what about the other thing that I thought was really intriguing at the end? Mm -hmm. Where it looks like we are going to be getting into the cyborg. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That I thought was really cool. Yes. I feel like they could have been maybe a little less obvious about it, but (laughs) it's fine. Maybe they didn't want to be. I I really want to know more about what happened to that probe in general, that it came back as, like, probe Cthulhu and then is now in uh, Arian, is that her name? Arium. Arium. Yes, yes. And, like, I know that in the episode they were kind of like, you know, these things seem to be all connected and maybe the Red Angel's intent is not hostile. And I was like, or maybe, fairly obviously, there's other forces that are now getting involved. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um, you think the Red Angel sent the probe back like this? Does the Red Angel need that to do it that way? No, I don't think so. I am very intrigued about what is going on with the probe and mm-hmm. what is now going on with Arium and then presumably everything else. And Although maybe it is the Red Angel and this is another misdirect and... Arium will end up being like the the vessel. Yeah, I, I think I had a thought that maybe Arium is the red angel. Okay. But uh is she is she like one hundred percent machine? Uh I they have definitely not addressed it in the show. I have not gone looking for anything more about her character design or anything like that. Okay. Neither have I. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. My personal speculation on this is that it is not going to be a good thing for Arium, and that it's potentially going to be part of the reason why we don't see explorations of, like, cybernetic humans mm-hmm. in more forward future storylines. Like, You don't think it's just because we didn't have the technology for the special effects in the past? Uh, well, that too. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to learn more. I feel like in this, in this episode, it... Or this episode was disguised as giving us a lot of answers, but really it just, here is more questions. So it's, oh, yeah. it's hard to discuss when it's just like, well, I guess we'll find out in the future. Yeah, yeah. Did we want to talk about a, f- a few of the little things? Well, running tally, still no Reno. Yes, still no Reno. I feel like maybe, oh shoot, I don't remember, did Pike and Saru talk in this episode? Um... I feel like maybe a little bit more, like over the, because Michael wasn't on the ship. So Pike had to right. talk to somebody. Right. Well, I mean, on the bridge, there you had some... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, there is a proper scene with, with Saru and Pike about the tachyon emissions. Right, yes. And that's where Tilly starts to get all, you know, using euphemisms instead of swear words. Yes, yes, yes. And 
Saru is very unapproving or disapproving, and Pike is just like, okay, Tilly. <laughs> it's just another um, day on the job with Tilly. The super anemic comic has a bunch of like comments about that, you know, Tilly's awkwardness, how Pike seems to just, you know, love Tilly, and like just a whole bunch of really funny comments on that kind of stuff for this episode. Right. Uh, if you're inter- if anyone's interested, you should check it out. Just Google, you know, super anemic. I think we've linked to it in the past as well. Uh, I also enjoyed. Um, oh shoot, what was it? Oh, when when Tilly says, "You just add time in front of anything, and it sounds cooler." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked that because um, uh, Mandy Kay once said, like the Mandy Kay, the co-host with Kate on their Discovery of Witches podcast, and who's been a guest on our podcast, who does all that. Uh, pop culturally deprived stuff on eloquent gushing she once said that uh podcasting is basically like time travel because you can you know go back into the past and talk about things and people are listening to this potentially in the future and and you know it just has that time displacement thing oh, so i was yeah, like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Just, you just put time in front of everything so what we should be doing right now is time casting yes that's that does sound so much cooler than podcasting right Oh my god, and then we could call them time catchers instead of podcatchers. This is so much better. <laughs> Everybody should get on board with this. It sounds good. Sounds good. Um but yeah, I guess this episode is really hard to talk about because it seems like stuff happens. Oh, you know what I want more of? Michael more and Giorgio just going at each other. That was great. The actual fight. Yeah, that was so good. It was a good fight. Uh, I love the two of them punching each other, but still having like um, uh, like it was a fight that was more than a fight. You know, they had they had good, like they were still talking. It there was more going on there. It wasn't just kick followed think, by dodge followed by punch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it was also extremely cathartic for Michael. Yeah, just to punch her a she couple like, times. It's like, you know, this talking, talking, talking. Okay, you want me to hit you? Okay. I think even if she wasn't going along with the rescue plan, he might have just been like, oh, okay, I get to hit you a bunch? Sure. That was good. And I, I just love seeing how smart Giorgio is and how she's always steps ahead of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if they keep this up with her and take it over to the Section 31 show... That could be a really interesting, well, I'm hoping it'll have some action so that we can showcase, you know, Michelle Yeoh's fighting talents. Yes. But also it'll be that, you know, sort of trying to figure out the mystery one step ahead, which way is it going to go? How is she going to figure stuff out? Like that mental uh, thrill sort of idea. Yeah, I guess uh, martial arts films are like Michelle Yeoh's past, so... I am all for seeing her kick a lot of butt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we we know she can do it. We've seen other movies. Ooh, maybe we should watch some Michelle Yale movies on our hiatus this year. I'm one hundred percent okay with that. Uh, but not that mummy movie. No, no, I'm not watching that again. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, wasn't she in the third mummy installment? The Mummy movies. I only saw one and two. If Brendan Fraser wasn't in it, or Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, I didn't watch it. Okay, good, good. You missed nothing. I had a feeling. 
So yeah, I think that wraps it up for the actual episode talk. I'm really intrigued about next episode with these talusions. I just said noises. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those were right noises. <laughs> um, yeah, the next episode is called If Memory Serves. Which I guess makes and... sense now that we know where we are. Yeah. yeah. God, I just Definitely want Spock sense. and Michael to talk. Stop with all this. Oh, Michael did something bad. Like, the more they draw it out, the more it had better be something fucking bad. You know? Like, not just, you're my brother and I don't love you. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, the more we don't know, the more it had better be real bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, because I, the, the, the anticipation, it's built. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing with this is that you know that it can't completely get resolved. Because Spock, like, they have to make a reason for why Spock doesn't mention Michael. Oh, I'm okay with that being plot reasons. Okay. Because like I said, I'm fully on the camp of Discovery travels into the future and stays there. True. It could all be listed as classified. Yeah, exactly. At some point, right? So, like... I, I, that does not, I don't think that they will take away giving them some sort of coming to an understanding. Right. I don't know if I made myself oh. clear earlier, so I'm just going to reiterate what I said, that I enjoy that they're using the death of Michael's parents in whatever dramatic way they need to. You know, like, I feel like next season we're going to learn, oh, it wasn't Leland who killed her parents. It was this season's plot device. <laughs> it's just like an ongoing shtick about will she ever find out the truth about the death of her parents? Yeah, like nobody actually knows the truth. Klingons okay. did the actual killing, but Leland arranged for it to happen. But this person gave Leland the order, but blah, blah, blah. Alrighty. Okay. All right. I think that's that. Yeah, I kind of forgot to mention at the top of the episode where we usually do the news and stuff mm. that there has been like a couple tidbits of news. Apparently there's been a couple more casting announcements yes. for the Star Trek show with Picard. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. I did briefly look up the actors involved, but I they weren't ones that I was immediately familiar with their other works. And I don't know if we mentioned it on last week's show, but season three is going ahead we didn't it was announced like five minutes after we recorded as per (laughs) usual with star trek news right um but yeah so season three is going to go ahead oh and when i was reading about the casting announcement for the picard show apparently it might even be coming out at the end of this year like a 2019 release i'm not really looking that forward to it i don't know it just seems like it's going to be a mess yeah, you think so? I why would why would Patrick Stewart agree to this? I don't know. It just seems <sighs> actors got to eat, Kate. I'm sure Patrick Stewart has money. I mean, like every streaming service I have has Star Trek on it. People are watching Star Trek. He, he's he's an ex. He has money. If not, he can borrow some from his best friend. <laughs> yeah, if he runs out, he can just go crash at Ian McKellen's, right? Yes. Thank you. Oh my God, his name left my head. <laughs> it's okay. All the names have apparently left my head today as well. <laughs> So. I was call- I was coming up with Liam Neeson, and I was like, "That's <laughs> that's not it." <laughs> you know, I wasn't even coming oh. up with another Ian. It was a completely different. I was about to take name. a drink of tea when you said that. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's okay. I stopped just in time. Anyways, <sighs> do you have any yeah. recommendations, Jen? Good question. 
I feel like my recommendations are mo like half random stuff and then half things that everyone was talking about six months ago. I mean, all my recommendations are random shit, so. But I just finished watching the reboot of She-Ra season one. Ah. And so I will recommend going and checking that out. I think I recommended this on a previous episode, but you haven't. Did you? Okay. But that, well, then that's I fine. Will, I, mean, that, that's I will good. second Kate's recommendation. Kate, do you have anything to recommend? Okay. So I think we've talked about, uh, in general, the Pop Culturally Deprived podcast before, but I'm going to specifically recommend, I think it's their most recent episode on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, they had a really good guest on. And I learned a lot about that movie that I'd seen a lot as a child that I just didn't know. And it was really interesting. And I immediately had to go watch the movie, which, again, I hadn't seen in like at least 15 years, probably longer. I have not seen... I also listened to that episode in a timely fashion. And as opposed to like weeks after they come out with it, which sometimes happens... And yes, I will second this recommendation as well. Their guest was fascinating, and it really shed like new light onto the movie for me. Have you have you never seen it? I saw it when the movie came out. So like I I saw it. I I don't know if we would have seen it in the theaters, possibly, but either theaters or like soon after it became, you know, released for rental, and that's the only time. Interesting. I um. I was not alive when it was in theaters. <laughs> just, just to mention. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, wow. wasn't it like eighty-two or something? Eighty-eight. Oh shit! I thought it was eighty-two. Never mind. I definitely was alive. Okay. I apologize. Okay, because yeah, my parents did not take me to the movie theater when I was that young. But eighty-eight is definitely a possible time frame. Okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had the year okay. wrong in my head. No, I was definitely alive. Probably did not mm -hmm. see it in theaters because I was very young. But we owned the VHS when I was growing up, so I watched it a lot. Gotcha. But yeah, no, everything that, that, that they said was right. Like, it still holds up. Like, we were watching it and it looked like an old movie, but not because of the special effects. You know, just because of the way it was filmed and that sort of thing. I didn't, I didn't even notice most of the special effects, you know? Right. So, highly recommend... Both those things. The Pop Culturally Deprived episode on Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Who Framed Roger Rabbit itself. And that is it for this week, I think. Yes? Okay, so thank you for listening to this, you know, perhaps more laid back than usual episode. If you have any questions or comments or you would like us to expand on anything, uh, you can find us uh, by email, by Twitter, Instagram at a command of her own. And I hope you will join us next week when we are discussing season two, episode eight, if memory serves, where we will get to see the Talosians. Fingers crossed for some actual answers. Yes. yes. Not that much hope though. Just, just a little bit. I mean, they're going to a place where the aliens whole thing is like projecting false images into the brains of the people there right but i can see where they might use that to project like past images so that we see a reenactment of what michael said or did to to spock for sure for sure that's definitely a possibility 
it's what I'm hoping for because I just want to fucking know. And at least it's a slightly better way to do flashbacks. Uh, actually, I like that lesser. At least I don't like it as much, oh. but that's that's me. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Join us next week when either Kate or Jen is bound to be disappointed in how the episode goes. Uh, yeah, I'm Caitlin. I'm Jen. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>